Welcome to the Ocean Church Podcast. We hope this message inspires and encourages you in your journey of faith. Enjoy the message. Yes. I count it a privilege, man. It is such a privilege anytime I get to minister. And uh, I want to encourage you, um, as a reminder, be praying for our lead pastors, Ed and Christy Ivy. They are away on sabbatical and getting recharged and refueled and filled up with the Holy Spirit and just taking some time uh, to connect with God. Amen. Be keeping them in your prayers. Well, today you didn't come to hear me speak. You came to hear God. Somebody say amen. I want to invite you to stand with me. We're going to honor God in the reading of his holy word of his holy scripture. I'm going to be in the book of Matthew. We had started this series last week. Pastor Josh was here. It was awesome. Clearly, I look very different and talk very different than Pastor Josh. Come on, somebody. Just, I mean, just even follically speaking, you know what I'm saying? Like, like we are just different. We are, we, we are different, but we serve the same God. And uh, he gives us this. We have the same access to the same word. And God is going to minister to us today through this text as we're looking at the Lord's prayer. So we're in Matthew chapter 6. Let's see, I'm going to start with verse 5, just as a recap from last week, and we'll read on down through verse 15. And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners, that they may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door. Somebody say, shut the door. Shut the front door, somebody. Go into your room and shut the door and pray to your father who was in secret. We talked about this last week, prayers in secret, having a place of intimacy, a place where you connect with God in prayer. Your father who sees you in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them. For your father knows what you need before you ask him. Hallelujah. Okay, so now that we've deconstructed your view of prayer, now let's build it back up. He says, pray then like this. Our father, let's say this together. In heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors and lead us into temptation, not to temptation, but deliver us from evil. For if you, and then Jesus goes on to say, if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly father will also forgive you. But if you do not, do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your father forgive your trespasses. Let's pray one more time. Lord, speak to us today. We're ready to hear what you have to say, God. We want to know you. We want to be intimate with you. Teach us today how to pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. As you're seated, turn to the person next to you and say, I'm glad you're here. Turn to the other person who is your second choice to the other side, maybe a couple of seats away, and say, you better pay attention. <laughs> you better pay attention. Make it come to church and not pay attention. What's wrong with you? Well, last week, uh, like I said, Pastor Josh had kicked off this series and he had talked about the significance of finding a secret place 
having a place where you commune with God. Talking to the disciples, that Jesus is talking to the disciples, and, and, and it's not in this uh, particular gospel, in the gospel of, of Luke, uh, it, the, the question is, is they're asked by one of the disciples that says, teach us how to pray. And Jesus starts deconstructing their view of prayer, what they've seen in the temple courts, what they've seen from the Pharisees and the religious teachers of their day, what they've seen from the Sadducees. And he starts deconstructing their view of prayer. He says, don't be like these guys in what they do as a public show of prayer, but rather develop a place of intimacy that you may truly know who God is and what his will is for your life. Amen. Go in and shut the door. I was up in our, with our Cape Coral family last weekend, and, and, I, and I just made the statement as an illustration, and I thought it was a good one. And, and, and really, it's when I desire to be intimate with my wife, come on, somebody, I don't leave the door open. Hey, now, I shut the door, especially with little ones in the house now, too, with a five-year-old. I lock the door. Come on, somebody. Like, you know, you don't want to be messing them up. But I desire, when I desire to be intimate with my wife, there is a, there is a special place that, we, that we, we have, that we, we are behind a closed door where there is nobody else that can see. There is a place of intimacy. There is a place of intimacy that God desires for you and I to have with him that can only be obtained behind a closed door between just you and him. Jesus sets this precedent as the disciples are asking, hey, how do we pray, Jesus? He didn't say, they didn't ask him, how do we preach? They didn't ask him, how do we cast out devils? They didn't ask him, how do we do all of the right things? They, the, the, the thing that they asked, they had come off the heels of even seeing Jesus do miraculous things, coming off the sermon on the side of the mountain, uh, the Beatitudes, and they say, Lord, what you're doing is different. And, and, and even just recognize this for a second, if I could step back. When the disciples decided to follow Jesus, they did not yet know that he was, he was the Lord and Savior yet. They had, not, they had not gotten to that revelation yet. All they knew was that he was a rabbi and he was a teacher that had something different, something of value to offer, to lead them. So they said, teacher, teach us how to pray. A great quote from Eugene Peterson, a great hero of the faith, and I don't know if you've heard of the Message Translation. He wrote the Message Translation Bible an awesome man of God who went home to be with Jesus last year. He has this quote. He says, prayer is the heart of this kingdom life, but nobody ever sees a heart when it is working. Whew. Prayer is the thing. It is the, it is the lifeblood of this kingdom life. Prayer is connection with God, praying, communication with God is the thing that makes this kingdom life Happen. I'll read it one more time. Prayer is the heart of this kingdom life, but nobody ever sees a heart when it is working. And I can just tell you right out of the gate here that the ability of our church family, the ability of Ocean Church, and not just Ocean Church, but the body of Christ, other churches in Southwest Florida, will be in direct correlation to, what's, to our ability to pray. Come on, somebody. It's not our cool lights. It's not going to be our programs. It's not going to be our ministries. Come on, somebody. It's not going to be our amazing pastors. Come on. But it, it, it will be our ability to reach into this community and be the hands and feet of Jesus will be dependent on our ability to pray. 
Not just the Ocean Church leadership's ability to pray, but the Ocean Church people, the people that are a part of the Ocean Church family. You and me, our ability to be useful in God's kingdom is in direct correlation to our ability to pray. The Lord's Prayer, where many of us are familiar with this, we grew up, and, and, and one thing I love about doing kingdom work in Southwest Florida is nobody's from here. Come on, if, you're, if you ever ask, you know, like, hey, so where are you from? And someone's like, hey, I grew up right here. You'd be like, what? You, you did? Why? No. No, well, bless you. I mean, we all, we, you saw what we saw before we saw it. So now we're all here together. We're familiar. We're, we're bringing in different. I say that as a way to say we're all bringing in different contexts of, of, of Christianity, different contexts of the Lord's Prayer and our understanding of who God is. We're all bringing this in in this kind of spiritual melting pot of Southwest Florida. And what Jesus is, is, is offering in this Lord's Prayer, as we're familiar with it, he's not, he, he did not say, when you pray, pray this. He said, when you pray, pray like this. So Jesus, what he's doing, he said, the disciples are saying, hey, teach us how to pray. He's saying, okay, so now that we've dealt with what you've seen, now this is how you pray. Start praying like this, like this. This is a template, a model. And let me just reiterate maybe our, 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 one of our kind of main points of this series, pray first. And Pastor Josh uh, alluded to it probably last week. We want to move prayer from being our last resort to our first response. Ooh, I love that. Corey Tim, it was Corey Timboon that said, make sure you make prayer your steering wheel and not your spare tire. Ooh. There is a difference between the significance of a steering wheel and a spare tire. Come on, somebody. Like if you don't have a steering wheel, you're just sitting in a box with wheels. You, you, you can't go anywhere. So often... You, you ever get in those moments where you maybe you get a call from somebody and you say, hey, it's time to pray. We, we need to pray. It's that time to pray. Our, our life has broken down on the side of the road. And you know what? We better pray. But rather, Jesus is offering something here. He's saying that we should pray. We should pray first. We should seek the kingdom first. Make it our steering wheel. Jesus starts to lay, begin, begins to lay out this foundation of who God is. Before he can, hey, before I can tell you what to say or teach you a model, let me tell you who God is. And the reality is, so often we've allowed, we allow our past and present situations to determine our revelation of who God is. And we struggle to say, I don't really know what to say. I don't really know what a prayer life looks like because we don't know who God is. Like, is he holy? Is he far off? Is he close? Is he angry at me? Is he happy with me? Is he a judge? Is he going to punish me for what I do? And we're in this place of in between, not knowing the heart of the Father, not knowing who our God is. Or we allow our education system to dictate and determine who God is. Jesus is saying, I want to tell you, before I can tell you anything, I want you to know who God is so you know what to ask for. The disciples say, teach us how to pray. So in Matthew 6, verse 9, we see it here. He says, pray then like this. First word he says, our. Wait, 
You said our, but what about me? Like you said last week, Pastor Phil and, and Pastor Josh, you talked about finding our secret place. And yes, Jesus had deconstructed, like I said, their view of prayer, our Father in heaven. Here's the first point we need to recognize is that God desires for us to pray as a family. Come on. We call ourselves brothers and sisters. And for us to have a father, it must mean that we must that we have some type of relationship with one another. And the disciples and Jesus is leaning in and he's saying, when you pray, pray our father. He's instructing his disciples, not a disciple. And we see this plurality as we'll go on in, in the weeks to come in, in the text. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Lead us, not attempt temptation. Deliver us. There's this communal aspect of prayer. And while it is so significant that we find a secret place, there is also power found in the community when two or more are gathered. Amen. It is found. The power of prayer is found in community with other members of the body. There's power in agreement. Matthew 18, 19 through 20. I love this later on in Matthew, Jesus is, is encouraging them. He says, again, I say to you, if two of you agree on anything, uh, uh, agree on earth about anything they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three are gathered in my name, there, I, there am I among them. It's the difference of... Isn't, isn't it different like worshiping in your house by yourself? I mean, it's still powerful. But then worshiping with a bunch of other, a couple hundred other people that are in the same direction and shouting the same thing that you are, there is power in agreement. There is a synergistic aspect of our lives, of our spiritual lives that is elevated when we pray. Amen. And this is why when uh, typically, you know, we offer prayer for people and the, the power of prayer is not found in a pastor praying for you. Woohoo. The power of prayer is found with another follower of Jesus, one that has been bought and redeemed by the blood of Jesus, regardless of title, coming into agreement with you and believing God for something to happen in your life and praying his will in your life. There is power in agreement. Jesus right out of the gate is saying, hey, this life is not to be meant, is not meant to be done alone. Your spiritual life, your prayer life even. Amen. Y'all with me? All right now. Here's the second thing <clears throat> we see. Matthew 6, he says, pray our Father in heaven. We got a dad in heaven, y'all. We got a Father in heaven. So the second thing is pray to the Father. Jesus is wanting his disciples to understand that God is, yes, he is a righteous judge. Yes, he is the creator of heaven and earth. Yes, he is the alpha and omega. Yes, there is none like him. Yes, he is the beginning and the end. But before all of that, you need to recognize before anything, he is a father. And this was so significant. And this is one of the things that the idea of God the father is one of the most distinguishing factors between Christianity and any other religion. Come on now. 
You look at Hinduism, Buddhism, Islam, all that are relying on celestial beings are deities. You look at Christianity, a son and a father, family, a significant difference that we see amongst the other quote unquote religions of the world. Not only just that, but a distinguishing factor that we see between God's old covenant and his new covenant. You look at in the Old Testament, the, the, the idea of God as a father is only mentioned 15 times. In just the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, we see this idea of God the Father as Jesus is saying it 165 times. Jesus is setting a new precedent as he's saying, what is this thing that we are supposed to partake in together? What is this prayer look like? And Jesus right out of the gate says, you have a father. Recognize that you have a father. Primarily, this is his role. He's no longer distant. He's close. And here's what I know. And I talked, alluded to it earlier when I said many of us have, uh, well, we have allowed our past and present situations to determine our view of who God is. And some of us have maybe had a negative association with the word father. Some of you, maybe you were neglected, maybe you were abused. So this concept, this idea of God the Father is foreign to you. You don't understand what it is to have a father who loves you or who cares for you. Maybe you have a father that left you high and dry some years ago. Maybe you have a father that won't talk to you. Maybe you have a father that doesn't love you. But I want you to know today that God is a perfect father who loves you. Here's four things real quick. I don't have time to like dig into it. I really would love to, but just four things that you could write down. And and there's more than four things, but these are just the four that the Holy Spirit gave me. So just deal with it. All right. Four things that a good father does. First thing he protects. If somebody messes with my child, hey, if you mess with my daughter, it's going down. Why would we think God is any different? God is not out for our destruction. He doesn't doesn't enjoy seeing us in pain. He doesn't enjoy seeing us hurt, people come after us. His desire is to protect us. His his desire also is to direct us. Kind of rhymes, protects, directs. I wanted to find four things that rhymed, but I could, I just, I couldn't think I I couldn't get past protects and directs and, but directs us. He gives us godly wisdom. This is what a good father does. This is what I, this is what I hope to do for, for my daughters is to be able to give them good wisdom and to direct them in a path, a godly path for their lives, for the steps of the righteous are ordered by the Lord. So God desires to order our steps. The third thing he does is he disciplines us. Oh man, I don't like that one. Where, where it's, God doesn't delight in seeing us in hardship, but oftentimes when we go our own way and we backpedal from God, at times we feel this sting. And, but aside from that, the Lord desires to discipline us, not punish us. Jesus, uh, God's desire was to punish sin. That's why he sent Jesus for punishment. 
The punishment isn't for the believers. The punishment is for the non-believers. Discipline is for the believers. Discipline is for the followers of Jesus. And just so you know, just FYI, disciple is a root word of discipline. Come on, English teachers. Y'all proud of me? I wish my English teacher was watching right now. Discipline. The fourth thing he provides. Philippians says that for my God will provide all your needs. Not according to what I can do, but according to his riches and glory, which are in Christ Jesus. And not, not is it just he provides earthly material things. We say, oh, he's going to provide for me a new house, a new car. Oh, he's going to provide for me all these things. No, 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 no. He is going to provide for you a peace that surpasses all understanding. This is what God the Father desires to, to, to give you and provide for you, a peace, a hope, a future. This is what a good father hands down. The third thing, <clears throat> we pray with reverence. Our Father in heaven. Hallowed be your name. So hallowed, is this where we get the word Halloween from? No. Just set the table, set, make, that sure, make sure that was, if there was any confusion for any of you there. Hallowed be your name. He's saying he's our God. He's our father. But don't get it twisted. He is holy. He is set apart. He is sacred. There is none other like him. There is no God. There is no celestial being. There is nothing that can be compared to my father. Hallowed be your name. Your name means holy. Your, your name means set apart. Your name is not common. Your name is different. <clears throat> In the Jewish communities, names are, are held with such significance that you can identify a person's character just by what they were named. So there was great, there, a lot of times there's great prayer and fasting that goes into the naming. It goes way beyond like, hey, I thought the name Soda was a cool name for my kids, so I named them Soda. <laughs> like, I don't know anybody named Soda. I just, I, that's, I don't know. <clears throat> but the, the context of this, uh, these Jewish uh, disciples, these men that are following, they understand the importance and the significance of name. So if they understand that he's holy, if they understand that he's set apart, they will understand his character. He's different. He's my father. His character is set apart. And we must never approach God as common. Now in Hebrews 4, it talks about being able to come boldly before the throne. So we do. But we can only do that because of what Jesus offered. And we come in the name of Jesus. But we, we must not treat God as common. And here's the thing, too. You must not treat yourself as common. Ooh. You are a peculiar priesthood, the word tells us. You are a holy generation. You are chosen. You are different. Turn to the person next to you and say, I'm different. Come on, say it like you mean it. Say, I'm different. <laughs> Hallelujah. Thank God for that. Thank God we're all different. But God is set apart. <clears throat> 
While God is holy, he still desires for us to go to him. I'm going to read this to you as I kind of wrap up. Matthew 6, 25 through 33. As, as I was prepping this weekend, I was, it was actually on Friday, Friday late night, and uh, I, I had a different way I was going. And the Lord was just like, hey, just read this. So that's, that's what I'm going to do right now. I'm just, I'm just going to read this to you. And, and hopefully the Lord ministers something to you, really with this theme of pray first. Matthew 6, 25 through 33, I would encourage you to meditate on this set of verses. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life. Woo! Let's just stop right there. Hey, in 2020, y'all, do not be anxious about Jesus is saying to you today, do not be anxious about your life. Come on, somebody. All right. What you will eat, what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is, is not life more than food in the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns. And yet your heavenly father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? In which of you by being anxious can add a single hour to his lifespan? Okay, I'll say it, God. So there are a lot of things that we should be concerned with. But there are, some, but there are things that we need not be anxious about. All right, I'm going to mess you all up. You ready? Don't, don't get up and leave. We should be concerned about our future. But we should not be anxious about it. I'm concerned about what the world will look like for my daughters, but I'm not anxious about it. I am concerned about the direction of this country, come on somebody, but I will not be anxious about it. Why? Because my future is determined by God alone and not a man. Come on somebody. So I need not be anxious. My future is determined by the one that set me free. So my life does not hang in the balance on the decisions of men, but my life hangs in the balance of heaven. Jesus says, my name will be written in the book of life. Hallelujah. And why are you anxious about clothing? Come on, young ones. Like, why are y'all anxious about, like, your clothes? And your... I mean, I get it. I mean, I remember being young. Don't be anxious about your clothes. Consider the lilies of the field and how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I will tell you, even Solomon, the wisest, the richest man that ever walked the face of the earth in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, he says it again. Do not be anxious, saying, what shall we eat? If I lose my job, what shall I eat? If I lose my job, what shall I drink? If my industry shuts, up, shuts down and moves on, what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek, say with me, first. 
Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these other things that you're concerned about will be taken care of. Woo! This is a word for us today in 2020, y'all, that we need to seek God first. We need to pray first. Amen? <clears throat> we can come to God as Father. Would you stand with me? Did y'all get anything out of this today? <clears throat> All right. So now you got to put it into practice. <laughs> now you got to do something about it. There is wisdom available in prayer. There is peace. There is healing. There is understanding. But we must seek him first. So I would encourage you. Just a practical application. I like to be really practical. Take time to read the Bible. <laughs> and it's like, oh, oh, no, 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 no. Like, really? What a shame it would be for us to leave here and to go back to just the, the, the way that we were doing things. Y'all know the definition of insanity? Come on, somebody. Is doing the same thing over and over and over and over and over again and expecting a different result. So whatever you're doing now, I'm sure it's fine. You got your time in prayer. You got your time, but do, do a little bit more. It's not about quantity. It's not about how much I can pray. It's about quality time in prayer. Second thing I want to encourage you. Let, let me give you one of the uh, antidotes for anxiety. How many would like to know what that is? I, I do. Like, I want to know what one of the antidotes. How do I combat anxiety? Here it is. Pray for somebody else. Yeah. There is something, whoo, there is something powerful that happens. Oh, Lord, thank you so much that when I give, I receive. When I give, I receive. When I give God praise and I say, God, I'm bringing my friend to you, that the Lord somehow settles our heart. So I want to encourage you as you go this week, find somebody to pray with. Even if it's just, hey, brother, I'm here for you. Let's pray. God, help my friend. Amen. I love Pastor Jack. Pastor Jack has got over 50 years of ministry experience, was a president of a, of a Bible college and just someone who is filled up with the word and knows the word. And we go around and we do prayer together. And Pastor Jack's turn comes around and he says, Lord, help. And that's all he says. Like he doesn't go on from, and that's the prayer. And sometimes that's good enough. If you don't know what to pray, you can just pray our father who art in heaven, hallowed be that name. Start there at least. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for my brothers and sisters. Uh, it's your desire, God. It's your desire that we would be in perfect peace. Lord, in, 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 a, in a time and in a season, in a, in a nation, where peace is fleeting, where things are more uncertain than they've ever been. God, I'm grateful that you are the same yesterday, today, forevermore. And because of that, Lord, we, we come to you. We pray first as a moment to settle our souls and receive from you. 
I thank you for each person. If you're here, one of the, the, to be able to come to God, you need to be able to accept his son. The Bible says, Jesus said that I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to God the Father except through me. This is the first step. If you haven't taken that step, if you just need to, the Bible also tells us in Romans chapter 10, 9, it says that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead and he's seated at the right hand of the Father, then you will be saved. If you need to just make that decision, I just want you to go ahead and just shoot your hand in the air and say, I need to make that decision. That I need to make Jesus the Lord and Savior of my life. If that's you, go ahead. The, maybe the Holy Spirit is tugging on you. I see that hand in the back. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Lord, I pray for those that have received salvation. Lord, would you shore up this word in their heart that they would put you first. And God, for my brothers and sisters that are here, Lord, God, that you would give us moments in secret, but also you would give us moments with our brothers and sisters, with our spouses, with our children, where we can come together and agree and pray to our heavenly Father. We thank you for your goodness. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Well, I, I would encourage you continue to join us uh, on the weekend. It's so good to see all your smiling faces. I, I know that um, this, uh, this, this coronavirus is just, it's just crazy. When, when in our lifetime have we talked about death count? I mean, it is just nuts, but I'm grateful for God. And uh, next week we will be doing baptisms and we will, which I'm excited about. And uh, I just, just being real with y'all, we wrestled because we said, Hey, with this virus, like there's a sensitivity that we have, you know, and th there's a, uh, an understanding that we want to be able to have, but we also want to be obedient to what God called us to do. So we're going to have the water. It will have like chlorine and stuff in it to keep it sanitary. And, and, and we're going to do everything we can, but I would encourage you, if, if maybe the Holy Spirit in this moment is saying, hey, you need to be water baptized. You gave your life to Jesus, but you, you haven't taken that step of identification, that step of faith. Next week, just come. We'll have everything ready for you, but uh, it's going to be good. Hey, let me pray a blessing over you before you leave. Jump in your car and head out this Sunday. Would you lift your hands? Let me pray a blessing. Lord, I pray that your goodness, surely your goodness and mercy shall follow us all the days of our life and we will dwell in your house. Lord, I'm thankful that you desire to make our hearts your home. And God, I pray for the blessing of your presence for each person, each child, each man, each woman here today. Lord, would you encourage them as they go out? Would you give them a boldness and an assurance despite of what they hear around them, God, that you are good and you are a father that is for them. God, I pray blessing over them. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you guys. Love you all so much. Take care. We hope you were encouraged by the message today. A special thanks to those who give generously to this ministry. It's because of you that this ministry is possible. You can click the link in the description to give now. If you enjoyed the podcast, you can like, subscribe, or share it with someone. Thanks again for listening. Have a great day.